He is the only psychologist I have anything to learn from, Frederick Nietzsche. When you have a recommendation like that, you know it's probably going to be a damn good book. And this is what Crime and Punishment by Fyodor Dostoyevsky is. It is a very, very good book. This book was actually published in 1866 in a series of 12 installments in a, in a magazine. That seems to be how, how books were published a lot more back then. There was no single release of something. It was a, a full publication and series. And you can see how that, I guess, alters a little bit of the storyline and, and how the book is written. It, it does seem to be a lot more individual chapters, whereas I think books nowadays have a bit more of a like in, ability to interweave and connect the start to the finish and write in different styles and and write in i guess a a different longer flowing manner whereas this one it definitely is you can see like the the parts in it and the cut up chunks but that does not take anything from the book it just gives a little bit of an explanation of why the book is written how it is so the book was written when dostoyevsky was 45 or before he was 45 published when he was 45 and was sometime after his exile in the Russian, like Siberia, in the in the tundra in the taiga, uh, for I guess political agitation in the in those times uh, against the the Russian Tsars. So he was in exile from the age of about twenty eight to thirty three, and yeah, in that intermediate period between forty five and and thirty three, he wrote this book at some point. Now, he suffered tremendously in his life and you can really see it in his workings and in what he has written. Uh, he had epilepsy. Two, I believe two of his children died in um, very shortly after childbirth or at least before he did. And it, it was, I mean, just for anyone back then, those, those times were rough. So, you can really see that in his works and he is really renowned as, I guess, someone who's managed to capture the the psychology of of people but also the inner sufferings and as well so the story is of rodion raskolnikov who is a a student a very very smart person who basically uh, commits a very terrible crime and his subsequent psychological suffering and i guess his own undoing and the it, it sort of is a crime novel in a sense because they, they, he does have a pursuer trying to prove that it was him who committed the crime. But it is definitely more the psychological aspect of, of Raskolnikov and I guess some of his interactions with other people. I won't go through the full plot because it's a huge book, 500 and something pages. So, uh, if you want the spark notes or something, go elsewhere for that. I'm going to switch right onto the the themes now. So... There's a tremendous amount of themes in the actual book. There is talking about the poverty, talking about the the family structure and alcoholism, talking about the, I guess, role of the state and how it can monopolize violence and all those sorts of things. But, you know, if, if you sat down and tried to analyze each one of those things in the book, it would just take a super huge amount of time. So, I'm just going to dive into what I found were the, the key questions and what I personally took out from it. So, one of my key thoughts from it were, do morals exist beyond the individual? And from what I can gather from this, it seems to be like a bit of a mixture between the state. So, the, the morals of, I guess, other people and what they think, the laws, which are sort of, I guess, moral limits in a sense, and your own internal morals and limits that you draw from that. So, these are going to be 
you you derive them from i guess your own innate preferences potentially religion potentially where you got um your 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 environment growing up and how that affected you your own experiences in a, in a sense and there seems to be like a balance between these two what raskolnikov does though is he asks himself does might make right in essence and so that is the reason why he commits a uh, a terrible crime a, a murder of of two people he only intended it to be one at the start but you know situations change and he ended up, up murdering two and he he sort of got away with the crime he uh, other people confessed he there was no suspicion on him particularly uh, afterwards and he was i guess contemplating like if i do this action if i prove to myself that i have the might and i i can do what i want i have the power i can become a a great person and but then subsequently you see his his derangement his uh, psychosis his descent into hell i guess and you you got a question like okay if if might makes right why does he feel so bad afterwards one of the interesting things is though he never takes full responsibility for it until the very very end of the novel like the last couple of pages and so this uh, actually ties into a, a point i want to make with regards to therese rakin which is another book i, I read um, not too long ago which was I, I guess um, both of those books have very similar plots in the sense that there's a murder occurs, the murderers get off scot-free and their individual um, like descents into hell is is what is subsequently comes from this. What's really interesting is uh, Therese Rakin was published, I believe, a year afterwards of, of Crime and Punishment. So two very similar books in, a, in one sense, but with Therese Rakin, we can really see he's not... Um, getting into the psychological aspect of the of the people and trying to justify it he's talking about their bodily reactions their sub subconscious torturing them for what they've done this one is very similar where raskolnikov isn't taking blame for it he doesn't i guess morally or intellectually feel he's transgressed a, a boundary yet he is having shiver, shivering fits he um, is tormented day and night he is almost manic very close to insane and so you can see the the same sort of concept being applied by both authors here which is that if you do something so bad there is going to be reactions whether you accept responsibility intellectually for it or not which i, I found really interesting like the the trans the pushing past a transgression and then i guess how the characters try and deal with that what we see in Therese Rakin and, and I suppose in Crime and Punishment a little bit is they try and distract themselves by um, doing good deeds in the case of Raskolnikov, in the case of um, Laurent and, and um, Therese. They, they basically try to distract themselves with other people or in getting into like a mind state of numbness while walking alongside the river and stuff. And it's really in the night where their terrors come or when they're alone with each other so both books you know there's there obviously is a big difference but if you read these two books together i think you get a real good insight into the uh, i guess the both authors intellectualizing of of what happens when you transgress a boundary and also i guess how much of our lives it made me question how much of our lives are meant uh, are spent trying to distract ourselves from like the existential 
existential questions that we all ask ourselves, you know, what is the meaning of life? Why am I here? Yada, yada, yada. So uh, that, that was, I guess, one of the themes. The other one is, as I already sort of hinted at, are great men born or are they made? In the book, Raskolnikov really gets into looking at his own as, um, in, in particular, Napoleon. He compares him, uh, Napoleon as this amazing character who, through sheer force of will, got to a position of power and then made his laws and whatever from that, justifying himself for doing that. So, he's essentially saying, if you have the power and you can do something and you don't question it, if you believe it is right and you get to that stage and then you have the influence on other people, then it is right. In essence, saying the morals of the individual is stronger than the morals of the state or other people or the outside influences. So, if this was the case, uh, why did he feel so bad afterwards, I guess? And in essence, I think what he tried to do was he tried to think himself into something that he's not. And he tried to achieve it all in, I guess, one big feat, in essence. He, so, by committing this murder, he he went from zero to 100, really, because when he was at zero, he was a broke student with no future a family who was destitute in poverty, living in a tiny ramshackle room of a house with just bullshit, like no material possessions, uh, the lowest of the low, the poorest of the poor. And through this act, even though he stole money, it wasn't about the money. The, the whole act of killing the old lady was to prove to himself that he was a strong person, he was a great person, and that from then on, he would be able to make his own uh, his own choices in life and achieve that power and might makes right essentially try and prove his own argument he in the book he has a essay sent into a a newspaper where it gets published and it's essentially arguing why there are exceptional people napoleons who through their own force of will who through their might they are better than the the louses the the plebs the you know, people not even worth, they are extraordinary. There is something different about them and that allows them to transgress um, beyond normal moral boundaries. So, what I guess he, he really failed to take into account there or what I personally believe is he didn't try, uh, he didn't realize that it also takes the pragmatic, the practical steps. A person like Napoleon isn't born by some dude in his room thinking that he's going to be a great person and then two steps later, he's a great person. No, it, it requires thinking that for sure. You don't get to the position of a super, super powerful leader by not having supreme confidence in yourself and the belief that you are someone special. But it also takes the small, the tiny little steps, which are the things no one sees, to get up to that point. You don't become a Napoleon by lounging around in your room and then just going off and killing some old lady. No, you become Napoleon by interacting with people. You become Napoleon by making yourself better, improving yourself, improving your speaking abilities, improving your tactical, um, your battle awareness, your, you know, tactical skills that require you and which will make you better into a position where you are now a Napoleon. So, I think that's one of the things Raskolnikov really basically fucked up. He didn't understand that a Napoleon is born in a sense. He's got to have the natural talents and the greatness, but he's also made in the sense that he took the steps required to get to that sort of position. Uh, whereas Raskolnikov was 
more on the you're you're born that way and I was born that way, so I'm going to do it. Even though he realized in his own thinkings that a, uh, a Napoleon just go, just goes and does what he believes right. He doesn't question for months and days and and whatever on the question of is it right to kill this lady or not. So it's sort of like a self-imposed uh, suffering on Raskolnikov and. While you do feel pity for him, it's also tempered with the fact that he brought it on himself. So, and he knew it was coming. So, you know, you've got that conflicting conflicting bit where it's like, oh, poor Raskolnikov, but also, yeah, okay, this guy's a dumbass and he deserves everything he's getting. As far as my own observations of the book and the style of the author, uh, Fyodor Dostoyevsky is a master of the monologue and in particular parts... He really, I don't know, expresses this ability. He puts pen to paper and it makes you just transfer yourself 100% into the character, into the scene and captures your attention magnificently. Uh, What I'm especially referring to here is the uh, part five, chapter four in this book where Raskolnikov goes to see Sonia, the prostitute, and basically unloads his burden onto her and explains to her why he did what he did. And it's not a, a a guilt-ridden confession. It's more of a, this is why I did it. And he even sort of still believes in it when he's talking with her. It's very comparable to the scene, if you've read The Brothers Karamazov, also another book by Dovstoyevsky, uh, the scene where Alyosha is talking with Ivan and Ivan is is explaining about the the crucifixions in, well, not crucifixions, but in the Spanish Inquisition, an imaginary Jesus in this scenario. And he goes on a huge monologue and it is just riveting. You were 100% drawn into the book and concentrate only on that. So if anything, this book is worth reading just to get to that point and and feel that, I guess, that intense passion that whatever it is, however he does it, he captures you and immediately and that's uh, two things so that's two books he's written where i've just been going like holy crap this is i don't know what this is but this is important it was originally meant to actually be written in the first person and it just goes to show as well like how many other books how many other pieces of art of works have not only been ruined but also been saved by i guess like the quirks of fate the the peculiarities of of destiny if this book was written in the first person uh, from the account of Raskolnikov, I, I don't think it would have been as tremendous as it is. Uh, and I guess you could say, like, obviously he worked on the book and he m- maybe at some point realized, like, okay, this isn't going to work. I'm going to have to switch to the third person. But I suppose it just goes to show that a lot of pieces of work, of art, of, of whatever it is, it relies on those small little things and it wouldn't be as, you know, as effective, as famous, as well-known if they didn't do this one little thing, which probably to them was just an afterthought, like, oh, whatever, I'm just going to do it this way. So, in summary, it's, it's a hard book. It's a hard and long book. I'm not going to lie. It's uh, To get through it, you're going to have to spend a lot of hours reading, and especially with the names. Goddamn, the Russian names. Petrov, Petrojovich, and they'll use the diminutives and the, like, the personalized names as well throughout the book. So, Rodion becomes Raskolnikov, becomes like Rayushka. Uh, there's some other characters as well where Rodenka, Dmitri is Mitya, Mitri or Mitka. 
And all of these characters have, you know, for what for me seems very similar names with the K's and the Y's in it. So, you're going to spend a lot of time flipping back and forward trying to remember like, oh, who was that character again? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They appeared in this scene, but then they didn't appear later into the book until blah, blah, blah. So, uh, you know, with that being said, it's also very captivating and a thoroughly enjoyable book. I would 100% recommend it if you are interested in psychology. This is the book to read. It is just jam-packed full of there's actions of the characters, but they are very secondary to the inner workings of what they're doing and why they're trying to do certain things. So, if you like psychology, there's the book to read. Crime and Punishment by Fyodor Dostoyevsky. What's something pragmatic I'm going to take from it? Well, I think I've realized I'm not really a Napoleon. I <laughs> I don't have any grand illusions of power, of thinking I'm above the morals of of the group as well. I think it's something you need to take into account that even if you believe something is morally uh, amazing and this is what you should do, you probably do need to take into account what the state, what other people think of that. So, uh, and also with that, the small actions are what transfers into the big results. So, don't go pinning all your hopes on one big action or doing something where what's what really makes a person, what really makes a man is doing the small little things over and over repeatedly in different scenarios, improving yourself until you get to this amazing place. So, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed. Leave a comment if you liked it. Also, leave a comment if you didn't like it. Give it five stars on iTunes if you are listening to the podcast there. And I'm out. Peace.